G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dean Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Sean Barrett from Black Dog Livestock Education. Sean will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Real kangaroo meat. I'm Sean Barrett. Uh, we... Uh, I have moved around a fair bit, but we're at Waluga, which is in the um, sort of Wide Bay Burnett region of, of Queensland. Um, so yep. near Gympie, if that makes sense. And um, yep. yeah, we, we've sort of spent most of our lives doing um, winter education, working, and, and um, we're full enough now that, um, yeah, we can settle down on a feed that was belonged to my grandparents and uncle, and um, we sort of took over that and and, uh, and and we've also um, bought the neighbour out. So that's that's given us a bit of a reason to sort of settle down and, yeah, get old. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. And, and what stock do you have there, mate? Uh, we've got Drought Master Cal here. We've, we're running a stud because um, we're not satisfied with just doing just commercial cattle we've got to go to the level all the time but um yeah so it's it's been an interesting venture my grandparents started the stud back in 1965 so um yeah it's a bit of a family deal so um it's it's been really good actually yeah to get back onto cattle yeah properly for you yeah. for yourself i guess yeah and um have you done anything away from that property so we sort of got onto this property in 2008 but um prior to that we were always traveling doing work um i guess we uh we did try to slow down a couple of times and um property and that's when i found out that i was pretty well employable um i like to do things my way, unfortunately. so um <laughs> that's probably probably why um quite a few dogs hate me too so right yeah yeah i've taken i've taken the heat for a while so uh, but yes um prior to that but then yes i definitely had to um find the work we could um generally that was doing winter education i was doing a few um few uh dog dog and stock handling education um, for people and uh, and and also doing yeah basic day-to-day -day sort of um, mustering and and contracting of livestock, yes. Beautiful. That's awesome. And, yeah. and where did oh, the, the you mentioned thing. you? Yeah. Sorry, what was that? You're right. Oh, you're right. I also meant to say that there was many times where I was um, driving down to Victoria to do to do a fair bit of down and um, yeah, down and out in the in the uh, western districts as well. So it was yeah, plenty plenty of time taken up doing that. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier that um, that property that you guys are on now was, um, was your uncles and your grandparents. So obviously there's a long line there uh, working in the industry. Where, where did your passion for the livestock industry come from? Was it from day dot or was it something that developed? Probably um, earlier in um, I was Lisbon and and um, and. and and came up here onto those different times, and, and so that was um, actually quite good because, yeah, and the yeah, I, I guess I saw, I saw a passion for it, and I really enjoyed the company of my grandfather 
grandfather and uncle as well. They were um, two top blokes that um, had a lot of knowledge and, um, yeah, were prepared to share it. So, yeah, it was it was a good, fun workplace. So, yeah, I wanted to be here. But, yeah, I went off to Emerald Ag College. So that was good. Yep. And um, what what made you go to the Ag College? Uh, yeah, it was my grandfather. Uh, he felt it was the best way to, to um, get out and learn new ideas and whatnot. And, um, yeah, so that was the direction we took and um, it was brilliant. Um, yeah, as you know, they've, they've all backed down now, but um, they were a brilliant environment for um, younger people um, and especially people with, with, with rural or, or um, rural sort of thing. Um, and to get together because it was such a network of people and there's so many people that we still keep in touch with and stay in touch with not only from our year but either a year below us or a year above so um yeah and and then no doubt you'll also run into someone and they say did you go to emerald Ag or whatever and um yeah so <laughs> it's a long long <laughs> list and it's and it's um it's a real shame that it's shut down unfortunately yeah, and it's amazing the influence our grandparents have on us for what we're going to do with careers as well. You know, you said there it was your grandfather that, that pushed you, and that way I remember my grandfather telling my cousin he was going to be a diesel mechanic and me an auto electrician, and uh, we both ended up doing that as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I could see influence on family, and especially um, your grandparents, like peers growing up, and they can really shape our futures, can't they? Uh, absolutely, and I mean they shaped it that much is that um, he he actually said to me one time he said oh there's a there's a girl next door here and and she's not too bad anyway I ended up marrying her so yeah <laughs> oh that's the best yeah that's, that's awesome that's gold <laughs> and, and how 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 long uh, has that been now mate. Uh, it's 26, going on 27 years, I believe. It's, um, yeah, in April next year. So, yeah. Oh, well, congratulations, mate. The grandfather yeah, was on to something good for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah. And look, we've worked together most of the days of our life, too. Um, yeah, you'd have to say the relationship's been tested at different times. <laughs> yep. But overall, she's. Um, She's probably got the better right than my left, yeah. <laughs> and and what about from away from dogs and livestock? Have, have you is there something that you or the family like to do? Uh, yeah. It doesn't seem like there was ever much other than that. We did get away to we're fortunate too. It's it's not that far to get to some pretty nice beaches around here and um do that but also we, we often visit friends that we knew through dogs or whatnot else and sort of make that a bit of a holiday so we did we did do a big trek out to um uluru a couple of years ago and and um sort of got around got around that whole area and that was really that's quite a memorable moment for us but um yeah so yeah, we did try to take time but we used to have a a lot of dogs and um i, I think there's People in the dog world would understand and there's only a few probably a handful of people that you can trust with uh, with a large amount of dogs and to, to feed and, and run and care for them uh, over a 
from and and, and um yeah so that sort of <laughs> we went on holidays where we could take our dogs so that, that's that's pretty well how it So, um, you've obviously do a fair few livestock handling um, schools and stuff, but in, in your time with dogs and stock, have you noticed a change in the way people handle livestock and dogs? And do you feel like as if it's for the better? Yeah, that's it, it is a good question. Um, look, overall, I think um, maybe probably possibly, yeah. That's a bit of a broad statement. Um, look, I, I think there's a lot of people, um, there's a lot of companies that are trying to do a lot better with how they're handling livestock and it's driving that in those bigger, bigger companies might be the, um, but, um, but also, I mean, there's the whole animal welfare to, um, to consider in, in those bigger things actually helped and and it certainly does pass on down the line and there's a lot of lot of mid-range people doing doing some really a lot of livestock and and i think as people and people whether it be um cell grazing or whether it's time management or whatever they want to do um with the more they hand their run they're starting to understand that they yeah, they need them faster um, mm -hmm. to be repeatable. And and uh, I think when we used to go out mustering, it would be hard, fast, and the yards and start processing because we've got another six paddocks or whatever. But generally, I suppose if you're doing cell grazing, you start putting a few mustering as many paddocks, and, but you are mustering them. And, and uh, it, if you're doing it wrong, that really escalates um, when you're doing that sort of more intensity doing it in a feedlot or whether you're doing it in a, in a paddock or a yard there. If you're doing it poorly, it um, it's piling up on each other and the, and the worse the cattle get. Whereas if you're doing it better, it start flowing and going and you start... Yeah start gaining never used to have, have. Hmm. there's a question here from charles williams <laughs> and he's asked uh, what what motivated you into teaching um stockmanship at, at in schools uh, a great question thanks charles um yeah it was was uh one of the big things was uh i started it uh started our very first working dog school with uh with neil mcdonald neil and helen mcdonald and um uh, they were terrific mentors and and to say that they helped us would be an understatement i mean they basically carried us for a fair while and um and we would have been dead weight well i particularly was dead weight um Yvonne was pretty but um <laughs> but that, those guys helped us out immensely and always yeah and then it's always time to um to sort of give back to the industry and that's what i feel i'm trying to do at the, at this stage yeah i've got a couple of um sort of charity type jobs with the with the strong schools because it's it's probably not my main income anymore and and that's that's good me because i can actually teach from the heart 
not worry about the money so much. Um, yeah, whereas when you're, you know, as, as everyone knows, when you've got a young family and you're struggling along payments and whatnot, yeah, you you make some poor decisions at different, and then you also decide to have someone a lot. So, um, but I mean, we don't we yeah. we still charge what we charge, but um, yeah, I, I'm trying to give back to a few of the charities and and try to, um, try to spread the spread spread the. Uh, I think we helped out Aussie Health there with one clinic, and then just recently we did the the um the PA injury ward so um and that was pretty good because a lot of blokes even from my college days um have have either suffered from head injuries or they've um yeah yeah they they you know they, they've been affected with their families yeah would you say some of those injuries they they happen in the yards around stock yes look and, and, and Popularization, you know, familiarity always breeds contempt, and you know we we never expect the gate anywhere near as much as what we should, um, and and you know sometimes people turn a blind eye as they're shutting a gate, they're um, thinking about doing something else, and they shut the gate on the back of a hoof or something like that, and that comes flying back at them far faster than they were shutting it, and home um, they go. So it's you know that's one of the common ones. You know, look, other things were just simple horse injuries um, or motorbike injuries. So um, whether that was from fast mustering, I don't know, because the person couldn't remember. So, <laughs> yeah, generally, generally you know, people couldn't really remember. So, yeah, sometimes it was just a horse that played up uh, or a, yeah, or a um, breakaway gully that they never saw in the grass. So, um, yeah, there's those sort of head injuries too. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> In, on the whole, I would say you're correct, though, that um, I think, and I think that's one of the things that are starting to improve in the industry is people being more aware of uh, what can actually hurt or kill them. Yeah, yeah. And so you're obviously um, educating wiener cattle for other people as well as yourself and through your schools. What does your program sort of look like? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been refined and then refining, and then refined again. Um, so really, the first day is is just um introduce introduce those um those cattle, those young cattle to um to the um so and I'm you know I know that everyone's got their own different way lever and if you're trying to move the cattle, you need to move yourself as well. Don't try to hold them in a corner and um yeah don't give them any other you've got to give them somewhere to go um so that start feeling feeling the reason why they need to move from pressure um because that's what we're talking about pressure disorders relief um so that's that's the hardest hardest thing for me to watch is other people sitting there trying to force cattle into a corner and they've got no out and then there's just it's just violence for that and the cattle aren't really learning except they're just running away from fear and um yeah it's not not like a last what we want is a lasting effect where the cattle are just feeling um calm uh knowledgeable about what's going on but also respectful of whether it be dogs or humans that are moving them so yeah. mm -hmm. that's the first day <laughs> 
and then the second day, day and then we um I, I don't know, yeah, feed them in water, sure I yeah, um settle them down pretty nicely and then the next the next day I I take them outside for a bit of a wander. And that that can yeah, they can go sideways in a little um, it's generally it generally goes pretty well. If you've done your homework right in the yards, you it's it's not too big a thing, but you should always be a bit uh yeah, have have a bit of a knot in your stomach before you let them out. Otherwise, um, they've been in the yards too long. So, well, getting them out on the grass, I always feel that um, they're not changing their rumen over as much. A lot of people lock their weaners up for seven days and then they start trying to tame out and whatnot else. And by which time their rumen starts to starts to change around. So um, we like to get them back out on the grass that they're eating when they were on their mother. Yeah. And that sort of helps helps that um this sort of gone out. So who um strange feeds was the third day then it's um yeah, it's all about putting them through the yards, putting them through the yards gently on any of the dogs away, they can have a good spell um yards and one not else and and make sure that they're calm and flexible and yeah, yeah that they are um yeah, understanding and seeing what, what I'm asking. I'll take them outside again in the afternoon and um, and dogs and whatnot else and feed them out just great. Those mobs, I mean, she's just made one look like a hero, but anywhere from 500 to 1,000 we're taking out there at Surratt. And I did take them out by myself at that stage as well by, um, towards the end. So it's just a matter of building up enough dogs that understand. So yeah, yeah, it was a good time. And the fifth yeah. day is just just another take them out, work them. Uh, people can draft them, do whatever they want to do. The owners of the livestock they can draft heifer steers and whatnot else. And then the cattle go out to the paddock. It's all done and dusted. So yeah, but I wouldn't recommend going under five. I still think the five days is necessary. Um, a lot of people want to rush it through, and that might be fine for them. But um, yeah, I'd like to see the job done job done properly so yeah that, that's pretty well the the, the weaning way yes <laughs> yeah no absolutely and what, what are some of the main um advantages of you know spending a lot of time and educating winners effectively and spending the time with them uh, good question um Interestingly enough, I was working on a pretty interesting place and I was doing a fair few weaners and and they had to recommend some of the gear in the water that had a fair bit of manganese, which slows the cattle down a bit like green capper and whatnot. That'll do the exact same thing, but it slows the cattle down, the weaners, and they sort of say that it's a lot better for them at weaning time and whatnot else. And I put the cattle through the program and I actually rang the manager and said, I'm not happy with it. These these can't reacting very well. They're not, they're sleepy. It's, they're on drugs. It's like they've seriously sucked a lot of marijuana. Cause of, yeah. So they they um, they just walk along in a haze. And um, and he said, oh, well, okay, yeah, yeah. And I said, I'll oh, keep proceeding. He said, I'll oh, keep proceeding. And he said, oh, we've got a thousand to do uh, in a fortnight's time. He said, and we'll just measure it up. And, so we went through and did it, and um, anyway, 
they rang up uh, three days after I left, and um, and they said, "Oh, mate, these these cattle just took out a whole heap of fences." And I said, "Oh, did you keep on that stuff?" And they said, "No, no, we took it out of the water." And I said, "Yeah, well, they're just waking up." So um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I went out. We'd never had that issue before, and I'd been there for about five years, so I, I knew that what was going on. And so then I went out and did the other mob, the exact same that we always used to, without the additives and. And the cattle weighed better at the end of weaning. They drafted better. They never took any fences out. And um, yeah, what can I say? It was probably, yeah, it, it's a bit of a sign that sometimes, yeah, science gets in the way of good stockmanship. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. That's a little story that you're not going to forget in a hurry either, isn't it? No, no that's exactly right. Yeah. No, look, there's no lasting effect education and I mean if you want to have an education system it's kids that have gone through with this hands and whatnot parents that just don't understand what the kids are taught like that so there's this big gap in the education and if you don't do the education right and I always say the courses if you sit there and drop your kid off at kindy and and the teacher gets the classroom, shuts the door, and just turns it back on it. You'd go, what's going on? That's right. They've got sandwiches in the corner. They've got water over there. What time? And get three of them would be dead in the doorway. All um, got water bellies and sloshing around somewhere. Three fat kids on the sandwich that are just bloody eating like there's no tomorrow. And that's what. Happens basically if you put your wieners into a yard for seven days and don't. That's why the education's got to start on the very first day they get into the yard. To my liking, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what sort of dogs have you got? Ordinary. They used to be. Pretty handy. It's um, farming, and I'm seeing to understand why farmers have farm dogs. So when we used to travel around and have quite very, very good dogs, yeah, we could never understand why farmers' dogs used to come in and start in the shearing shed and a few other different ideas that they had. And now I think I've got those. Dogs, so uh, it's, it's a yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, no, that's uh, it's what it is, yes. Yeah, so, so, um, well, very, very honest, at least. I've got Kelp, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Laura. <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, oh, and, sorry, uh, basically, we've got kelpies. Why we, kelpies? Yeah, yeah why kelpies is we feel that they've got, uh, well, for starters, it was because that's what Neil had. And, and oh, if I could say something there, that's what I seen to dogs. Because we went to that first course, and Yvonne and I both had some really ordinary, you know, homebred, sort of local bread, whatever it was. Um, loaves of bread, basically, that 
they would have been, but um, although that would have been useful. So we went went there and asked to, to buy some dogs um, after we worked out that ours weren't doing the job. But what we did see was there was five head of cattle that they sat there and put through barrels and took them around again and back through and around again and back through. And they did that for like, seriously, about two and a half hours, Neil and Helen, with other people's dogs and helping people course around through there. And, these were Brahmin, Brahmin cows or something, Brahmin heifers. And, um, and they just kept doing it and doing it. And then at the end, when they were finished and we were just about to break for smoke, Neil started talking and he was talking there for a fair while. But those cattle, it wasn't a dog anywhere, but they were quite happy just to stand with us. They, they weren't doing it because they were scared. They were doing it because that was the safe, that was the, that was the, there was no pressure there. So, that's where um, that's where we got the liking for the kelpies, and that's why we probably developed into kelpies. And you know, there's there's pros and <laughs> pros and cons to every animal. And uh, with the kelpie, there is a there is a fair con to them as well. But um, what I did find with the wiener educating, they can go and think for themselves, and and generally travel with the wieners a lot better than what I found with border collies that that sort of needed a little bit more progression and conversation talking to them all the time or yeah reassuring what they were doing was correct yeah so that was a long way of getting around to saying these kelpies yeah <laughs> that's all right now it, it's good to get some uh insight as to why definitely um question here from tristan lyons he's asking where you source your dogs from these days and um do you have a do you follow a certain line Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, recently we just got one from Kamala Kelpies, um, and she's a she's a baller. I I, um, I bought her as a dog, and um, I, too smart for me. Um, that she's yeah, but she's she's slowing down on on um, yeah. She's she's re yeah, she's starting to adjust to my stupidity. So um, we're we're, we're starting to make it. Um, uh, the lines that we had, we offer some pretty handy dogs that were quite strong. And um, day, like sort of some of the Baron Bogey and Capri type lines. Yeah, and then and then we sort of went back to more cattle work, not not doing the sheep work as well. Um, so yep. we're down through that Western District there, but. Um, when we stopped slightly different dogs and um yeah i started i started and um and and that rolled in the dogs that we had at the time and and they still had strength but they distance but grip and hold and um yeah i also thought for themselves and that you know yeah where i just wish they'd come when they were called but sometimes we could call them and as soon as we called them off a beast would break on that spot so more than us and and the hardest part with those dogs especially um is he's trying to understand them rather than trying. so yeah <laughs> that's my fault yeah and do you like a team of similar dogs or do you like a couple of different 
uh, types in your pack? Yeah, I mean, I always like a few different types in my pack for sure. Like a, a motor um, and, and, then, and then your steering wheel. So car to drive. And I, I think it's the same thing with a mob of cattle. And some steer the, the lead or the front front portions and then you know, um, on the driving or or you can just get, uh, you know, dumb dog, dog really. Just thumps away at the back there. He's probably waits and and you know, look, there's there is a purpose, you know. And Neil Neil McDonald used to always say that he he said, look, if always wanting to be on the left side, go and find one that's going to go and be on the right side. I mean, it, it is. It's, you just got to try to work out what you're doing instead of colours for the perfect dog. I think what you got to do is just just try to work through. And, and all team there that needs to be present and and you've also got to look out for team members is it's just very much like building a, a, a rugby league that's why Queensland's so dominant in the bloody oh, here we go. They can <laughs> heard it all now picking those young people <laughs> I, I can't make a coin I don't watch the footy so <laughs> so until Panthers are winning, and then I'll go. So, well, you know, <laughs> I think it, it really it does come back to that that team, and and you've just you you can't leave it too long. I mean, I think look, a pup every six is probably too many for most farmers, but I, I think probably they should run every year. You know, to come in through, or to try to look to purchase a, a new dog every two years if they're going to buy an up and going dog sort of thing so that they've always got something young coming through because i'll guarantee the day you think you've got your team perfect some tragic accident long and um yeah you've got no control over it but it happens yeah. and yeah whether it be a snake bite or something simple like that or yeah something a bit more traumatic yeah so very good <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Mate, was there a or who or was there a most uh, influential dog to get you to where you are? And what made them special? Oh, influential dog, yeah. Influential dog to where I am, yeah. I could say there was a couple. I had really nice dogs in my time, and possibly. Because of the travel that we were doing, um, we didn't get there as much as what I wanted. But I did have a one male that um, that we did breed ourselves, um, and that was Black Dog Larry uh, Lenny, I should say, Black Dog Lenny. And then uh, and then the other one was Puds Puds Mindy, and um, both those dogs. One one had like Black Dog Lenny uh, uh, had a, an amazing amount of strength. And I was, I had to learn how to use it instead of asking him to put on all the time. I had to try to get the right times. And he was starting to show me, no, not yet, no. If I do this, it'll blow up. But and my impatience, I always asked him to do it. He was a good dog. We did it and then showed me exactly why he wasn't trying to force at the time. So it, he taught me a hell of a lot. And Puds Mindy, were, she was a fantastic bitch that, uh, Richard Puddicombe, who is 
yeah, he's an absolute champion. Um, helped me and Elon a hell of a lot. Um, helped me probably more than anyone. Uh, uh, yeah, helped me a lot anyway. So, um, and I don't know, Puds Mindy was brilliant on the cattle. She was just amazing. You'd go out into a paddock, she'd disappear. You'd ride along, find a mob of cattle. There she is. She'd just light out again. Just she'd do a whole paddock, no sort of anything from thousand to two thousand acres by herself. You'd just ride around with your other dogs and pick up cattle. You'd hold them in different spots for it. Was just brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, those two dogs I'd, I'd say were my dream dogs. And um, did I put them together? No, I didn't because one was dead <laughs> at the time. But uh, when in between the the gap there. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things. And as I said, like with travel and whatnot else. There was times there where we should have probably joined dogs, but we didn't need a litter on the road. So yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, and what do you make as a good cattle dog? Yeah. Ah, a good cattle dog. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. That that's probably um that's going to be a controversial statement, isn't it? Um, <laughs> one, with, one with no heel bite in it. What's a yeah yeah so, um look any animal trying to travel forward if it's getting annoyed from behind it's always going to turn around and try to look at what's annoying it so um i don't see a place for it much ever some people argue the point um i've had dogs that do it don't worry about that and and it's it's not for life it was just until i found another dog to replace it um yeah there, there are times and places Places I don't ever see. I don't ever see a time and a place for hill bike, but I do see a time and place for an, a good nose. I see no place for a bite on the ear. Um, that's just a waste of time. That dog's weak, as far as I'm concerned. If they're biting on the ear, that should be on the nose. Um, anyway, that's that's sad. But a good cattle dog. Let's go positive. Uh, good cattle dog is 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 a dog that understands flight zone position. Uh, and and has some anticipation of what the mob's about to do. Um, has the willingness to give ground if it feels that it can block at the time. Um, so good friend of ours, Darren McCainch, he always used to say that uh, um, a dog should be like traffic lights on a main road, so one's up for road trains. And, and sometimes those dogs, instead of hitting with a, a red light straight, straight after the amber, they actually um, hold that amber light just a lot longer so that that big road trainer cattle can slow down and 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 pull up to the dogs but um a lot of people ask their dog to come in and bite as the cattle are running down the hill and generally the ones that come flying out the back looking like the back of a bloody all black um ruck so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a mess <laughs> <laughs> we're on the from football to rugby we're all over the sports today <laughs> Yeah, we, no, but uh, we, are, we haven't done the races yet, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, no, it, I think it, that's so. pretty well, pretty well covers the cattle. Yeah, yeah, the it covers the cattle. It should, it should have strength, um, and and that's. I think there can be a thing lacking in some of our industry. Um, is some of the strength? Strength's not bite strength. It's a presence, though, and and, and it's um, 
as Richard Buckingham would have said, hey, hey, there's a middle ground. You've got to have that middle ground. It's, it's getting from A to B through the flight zone, through the flight zone at a steady pace, not flying through there uh, or rushing to the side and, and whatnot else, but just gently, you know, just walking through it, but walking through with strength. And, and that was one of the great things of that put signature and certainly um, there's Ranella Pin, there was all the older lines, um, badge, Capri badge and Capri watch type lines that um, used to really be able yep. to do that quite well in my experience yeah yeah absolutely uh jess finn has asked how important is trainability or having a bit of dog to you compared to having something natural yeah Great question jess um it's trying to be is is yeah Trainability and biddability. I, I don't know. I think there's a bit of a two different things. So I, I think if we have a friendship with a dog, um, so that we've made it our mate, um, that is really important to have with that dog. And then trainability is low on my low on my list of things for a dog. Um, I believe. My working dogs happen to be about 98% pure genetics. It's not looking back into their pedigrees or anything like that, but it, it, they've got to have about 98% genetics to be able to work, to be able to read flight zones, to be able to do, do their things more than naturally. Um, and I think there's very little, very little of my work nowadays or, or probably previously with the wiener education has ever needed much trainability um I, you know I, I can get them to stop for a while i can get <laughs> i can get them to stop and wait for the cattle to come out, out of the yards I, I can probably occasionally but that's you know that one's iffy too but um realistically I, I think if you build that friendship they'll try for you they'll start to understand what you're trying to ask them um, and they'll break away from what they're doing and try to come to help you just because that's what mates do. So uh, that's why I probably put friendship, what friendship, but it, it, with respect. So, so that you're still, you're a mate. Yeah. So yeah, mm -hmm. rather than, yes, no problems at all. So you obviously like a very natural dog. Um, how important is identifying natural strength in a pup or a young dog or like compared to building it with age and experience? Yeah. Um, I, I think with a, with a younger dog, I think um, there's, there's a lot of people that rush, rush a dog and it's, it's probably, it's probably industry wide, you know, like, I mean, no one wants to sit down and look at a pup for about 12, months when 15 months before it tries to stay that's probably society really and, it, and it, it's a fault with society you know um i think that we we're not patient enough and and sometimes really good things come from the late late maturers and they just keep getting better and better like a bottle of wine but then also <laughs> sometimes that can be just a complete waste of time as we've all found 
Um, so I do like to see a bit of a bit of initiative in that sort of first four months. Age, you know, four to six months, like more so about four. Introduce them to something, whether it be just like potty cubs, um, some wieners, whatever. Um, we that we do have some sheep. Um, those things haven't been anywhere near a training yard or a system for about six to eight years now. <laughs> they've just been they've just been for um, sheep are a good way of doing it um and then and there's any good trainers out there that can teach people how to how to do like correct training um i'm probably not that guy to come to i have been trained correctly <laughs> um but i probably just too lazy and and i really i feel that 90 percent of most graziers like all you know common common farmers don't won't won't have the time for it um to do it properly and yeah. and if it's going to be half done it might as well not be done at all um to me yeah so because all you do is start confusing yeah. things and and next thing you start going out buying trinkets that are called bloody you know dog collars or something like that and try to use use that to, to get your training done and you know it's just comes back to laziness or lack of time doesn't it so yeah, it's not not yeah. my go not my go at all so uh, yeah. are you still breeding many pups yeah. there sean uh so it's, yeah it's trying to trying to I, I, yeah um I, I guess the trouble is too that we we did take a break there for a while um everyone and i because time spent with our dogs and everything over the years it, it did take a bit of a toll on us and and we were sort of uh, you know to put it gently it was we were a bit dogged out we we're a bit done we we're a bit yeah over, over it um not over it but we were also enjoying this new venture on the farm so um I, I would say that we we started we started trying to breed again or we're getting new new dogs into our teams um both ways at the moment um I've been contacting a few friends that have had our bloodlines and whatnot else, and um, yeah, I just got told on the phone today that um, yeah, there's a there's a litter with a pup with my name on it. So yeah, I'll I'll be all over that one. Um, once I give him the money, obviously he wants that first. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we are we are trying to breed uh, one of my bitches that yeah, I think I think she's she's pretty well what I always been trying to breed all my life and um she's just yeah she's just got a lot of attributes there that are very very worthy but um do you think i can get her in pub not a chance so anyway yeah <laughs> we'll try to get back to it again soon i think so so what are, what are you looking at or considering like when you're looking at um joining a bitch yeah well i i really do look at the bitch um yeah, I mean everyone, fifty and whatnot else, but I don't know. It, it it's an interesting thing. Um, I I really believe a lot in the bitches, and I think I think they carry the bulk of the genetics through, yeah. uh, or they have um, an influence over a bulk of the genetics. And I think what people may forget about when they're uh, looking into their breedings and stuff is is that that litter is generally there to provide survival of a wolf pack. So you're going to have some killers, you're going to have some 
just outlawed workers that just do not gathering the buffalo and whatnot else. And then you're also going to have some throaters. You're going to have, you know, um, and then you're going to have some hillbot chasing wild ones. And I, I, I guess that ability in the, within a litter and, um, and yeah, possibly if you're breeding them for yourself, you should probably keep them all, but that does put you in the loony bin pretty quickly. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, um, it, but it is to me, I think, you know, like if you've got a good, strong bitch line, uh, I think you should hang on to it as hard as you can and, um, and take that. I look for a good, a similar sire and I, you know, similar to similar, like to like, you know, a lot of people sort of say, but it, it is difficult in the in the dog world because the genetics are very, very varied. Um, they're, they're quite apart, you know. Um, uh, you know, there's been plenty of people that have done the inbreed line, and and that doesn't work for yeah very long. Um, if you don't know where you're going with that, you've got to be pretty good and pretty cautious with that one. But to me, breeding the pups comes back to that bitch, and I just like a, a really I like a strong you know, but not wildly strong, um, firm bitch. And she's got to be confident and with what, she, what you know, she's got to have those work trade abilities that it's got that things and then, and then try to find a side that's temperament and, and that, um, those abilities. And that, that can be difficult when, yeah, when you're probably breeding Kelpies in Queensland, where there's quite a lot of bloody, border collies up here unfortunately for me for me yeah, it's what i'm saying yeah <laughs> not, no, not unfortunately because they're border yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you like do you like your bitch to be of a certain maturity level or in a headspace before breeding from them oh look i had some really good advice once if you're it's just really quite immature at that sort of 12 months that she does come in season and and you do sort of like it because you you'd understand her genetics by 12 months of age if she's a cow probably more so than other breeds but you'll see the work in them a bit and um sometimes to give them a bit of maturity neil christensen over in anybody he said he you know, just put it put her in pup and let them sit it out per year or you know six six, eight months sort of thing. And um, gee, it, it really does work. Like they come back into the game, they sort of, their body's matured, they're ready to go. And, you know, maybe you got something out of the litter of pups too, you know, sort of thing. So, and I, I think what that does is just, instead of us constantly putting pressure on that young dog to, to perform, uh, I think what it does is wash them out and, I've, you know, um it, it it sort of takes all that pressure off them it lets them yeah it just lets them bloody grow up and um really i don't think any dog's that great until they're two year old at least and if not a bit more so because uh, as i say in the clinics and whatnot else you know a one-year-old dog is only a seven-year-old child you know you don't you shouldn't expect anything of them and and um two-year-old's still only 14 well they can open and shut gates and lift a few things and do a few you know drive the gear here and there but not real well and uh, so really be expecting that much of your dogs at that age but everyone does and um that's just the impatience within the industry yeah um and 
What were you going to say? Oh, I was say absolutely. Impatient. Everyone wants things done yesterday, right? I'm I'm so. impatient. So. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> um, how do you go about picking a pot for yourself? And <laughs> has that changed at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I stopped breeding pumps. Um, I could go and choose a pup, and, and that's been really good because when you breed your own pups and you choose one, usually it's the worst of the litter. So I've actually been getting good ones because <laughs> <laughs> they're not my litters. <laughs> but but um, when I go choosing a pup, I, I don't know. I just think you've got to like the look of it. If you don't like the look of it, you'll never like the dog. Doesn't matter what its breeding is, and yeah, if I could give some advice to any listeners, if you don't see something that you like in the litter, just walk away. Don't spend money that you don't want to spend. Um, breeders will understand eventually, um, but if you don't like the look of them, if you don't like their style or whatever, and and do research on your parents, and I do that as well. So I'll be the same both parents work or and and grandparents or or i have seen yeah the um the mother work and and also i've seen video of the father so yeah i do plenty of research before i go and do it because we are starting to spend a reasonable amount of money now that we're dogs are just making that much much extra nowadays and yeah it's good to see it's very good to see for the industry we'd probably hug in there a little bit longer we might have got something to say. <laughs> in a bit earlier you you mentioned about you know not liking like you like to see something happening by four months and you don't want to you know see a pup in the in the kennel for 12 to 18 months and not doing a lot do you have any milestone expectations on your pups like so what are you looking for like and when oh i suppose Pretty, yeah, pretty well, like I say, like at that four months of age, I'd just like to see a little sign of interest um, with movement, you know, like whether it be ducks, whether it be sheep, whether it be cattle, doesn't worry me. As long as they've sort of got a little bit of, you know, like the instinct's just starting to come out, you can see it coming out. Um, six months, I'll, I'll reintroduce them and whatnot else and have a look at how they're progressing. Eight months, they're doing the same. Um, but yeah that four month I, I think you know like if you if you wait too long before you show them livestock uh i, I think they can go stale um whether it be kennel style or, or whether it be um gold coasting you know just running around doing doing nothing with their own thing um i believe yeah you you can leave them not see like livestock for too long as well so i'd li I like to introduce them to it fairly well fairly early reasonably early but but also so that they've got legs to actually you know start running they're not you know little pups in getting around that were really quite sheep and that they baby pups but yeah I, sometimes that's just a, you know it, it can become a nuisance too so <laughs> um yeah yeah but I, I definitely like to see something by about four months and i, I think that's what greg prince said to me once he said you're lucky because you got kelpies so you get to see what you're going to see earlier in life than a, than a border collie so and yeah i always yeah I always think back to that and i, I sort of you know every, every time i've tried a bc I, yeah i go back to thinking i just don't know if i've got a lifetime to wait for this so 
it's a patience game. So, yeah, yeah. So that that's probably why I like the Kelpies too. Yeah, they show me what they're mm -hmm. going to show me. Yeah. And is most of your training done on the job, or do you set time aside? No, look. Yeah, times have changed. I, I do actually set time aside. Um, back in the day, obviously, when we were contracting, it was yeah, it was all done really time on the job. But we also we had some really good people that we worked for, and and they allowed us to do um, after after hours trading with our dogs on on the shed and whatnot else. And yeah, there was some a lot of beer drunk um, doing that one. But <laughs> that was that were good times. And um, yeah, look, I think you know that there's some really genuine people coming through the ranks um, that have been treated correctly by, by good trainers. Um, and there's some really good trainers doing that. And I think if you're going to go anywhere, you say to anyone that's out there, look, I reckon the most important thing you could ever get, <laughs> if you want to get a dog to a certain point and stop well that would be it would be balance with no commands of greek princess I think that you can get a call on it and you can get balance with no commands and proper balance not no that's recognizing the flight zone and that's i don't think many people ever bloody understand that part of it but um yeah if the dog doesn't recognize the flight zone there's just flocking the sheep or flocking the cattle well it's not balanced yet so go back to the starting board so um anyway that, that's my idea, but um, yeah, I think for me, my training, if I can get it up to balance with no commands, that's how you can take those mobs of wieners out with young dogs, like with nine, you know, eight, nine month old wieners, uh, young dogs, you can take them out on the wiener jobs, beginning what balance is there, understanding what flight zone is. They don't get in the way. They don't ruin things. They can hold the mob together. And they don't put pressure on because you're not walking anywhere. So they know that they've got to pull up and wait. And then they just have to put pressure on the livestock to push them back over onto me if they're grazing away too far. So it's it's just one of those things where, yeah, I think a lot of people, if you want trainability, that's the step that everyone skips because they want to get onto the the sits and the body and the commands and everything. But I think there's a lot of people that are missing out on on the most important one for for overall livestock work, whether it be sheep or cattle. And you think that's just trying to trying to rush pups through and and build them up quicker than what they're actually maybe mentally capable of taking at the time? Oh yeah, uh, and I mean, there's no bigger pressure cooker than a round yard. And I, I think anyone that's first time into one that hasn't shut a pup down, you, they, they'd be lying if they said they haven't found in a round yard, which is so quick and easy because um, it is pressure. It's high pressure. But I think introducing it steady and, and taking your time and patience in those round yard situations is, is what gets you through. It's not good for someone like me. You know, I've always had anger issues i guess you could say <laughs> um, but it's, it's frustration more than anything and that's just from lack of knowledge um and lack of experience i'd say more than anything lack of experience so you know greg had always 
you know, he used to come there to do his clinics and stuff. And say, you know, I've done 300 and something dogs and he go, holy crackers. Well, I've got a bunny, couple hundred to go. Yeah, definitely. So, um, there's a lot of mistakes made, but I think sometimes when you do it outside of a round yard and, and out in the paddock or out in a big yard or something like that, um, I, I don't think the mistakes are as hard on the dog. Um, so they're a little bit, let slide off because it's a bigger area they don't find i guess but i do think people rush too many steps uh it confuses the dog it confuses yourself you don't know whether you're doing a, a sit lesson and a bloody call session or or, or or whether you're doing left and rights you know like, um people just get in there and then they go oh right yeah well hang on it's not doing this now so i'll start on a new thing <laughs> you're supposed to go in there with one plan and one plan only but um yeah, so many people change three quarters of the way through and then start turning it into a half hour session instead of a, you know, three minute, two, three minute job. So <laughs> anyway, that's, yeah, yeah, just yeah. watch out for that uh, for anyone that's learning how to train a dog. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually think that's a pretty important thing to identify, mate, because some of us, yeah, we, we do go in there for the intention to do something and, you try to do that while you achieve trying to achieve that you've noticed something else and before you know it's it's drawn out to a pretty lengthy process and uh everybody's frustrated at the end of the day and nothing got achieved and nothing got achieved absolutely well what does usually happen is you've got a dog that shut down that you have to go and spend another bloody couple of hours making up to with you know like give him some beer for a change too so like, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, just just to get the friendship back again because i mean yeah you blew it all you know like um asking just way too much of a young animal and that i think what we've got to do is sort of get back to looking at age and what they can actually take on board and i just you know there's a lot of people that want to be the hero that's got the young dog up and going but i think what we need to do is is sort of put the time in and if you want to get young dogs going slow and steady, I guess, then you need to keep getting more of them a bit more often, but, but take the process a, a lot, a lot more slowly with each one of those pups. Yeah. So that it's that a long progression rather than a short, fast ride. That's right. <laughs> that, that's some really good advice. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, like the, well, the comparisons are too, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of horses that break down because they've been raised as two-year-olds. Um, and, I, you know, and I think, again, that's just people rushing things through. And, and we can also do the same thing with those dogs. You can hurt all their joints and whatnot else by getting them to do too much backing, too much shed work and stuff when they're just too young. So let their, let their joints and bones bloody, you know, harden up and then you can start really driving away into them. So that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Man, you mentioned earlier that you've done a little bit of trialling. Do you want to you want to touch on what trialling you have done previously? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, we probably had the best time ever going trialling because um, we'd, we'd never done yard dog trialling before. Uh, obviously, coming from Queensland, we had no experience with sheep. Um, so we got down there, had a crash course in sheep, and then... Um, Neil McDonald obviously obviously um said, Oh geez, you better better come over and do a dog trial. So we 
with no experience really under our belt apart from a bit of drenching and trying to teach dogs how to back in a in a hurry um yeah we sort of got over and did did a dog trial or two over in um in the in the south australian bloody work um yard dog association no great group of people some um really really good i think long-lasting friendships were made there too so um yeah people like lyndon cooper bloody yeah rexy hocking and and yeah neil mcdonald himself and as well as watching helen and yeah there was a trainload of people there that were a lot of experience and um and it was just great to get around with them and and also then we sort of progressed on to different different trials and and you always met someone new and someone more interesting um or not more interesting but someone just as interesting um, yeah. and for some reason too they they all enjoyed beer uh it was, it was one of those one sorts of um, threads a lot of beer at the end of each trial or during some of the trials actually yeah yeah but you know i bet you didn't know that in yard dog trialing in south australia sometimes you you are forced to um to go for a swim in the murray river as part of the trial just to get your sheep before it drowns in the murray so um <laughs> Queensland lifesaver skills went and saved her, brought her back, didn't have to do CPR. Uh, it was, yeah, no mouth to mouth. That, that was out. That was never going to happen. So, um, back in the yards, and away we went. Very well done, it was actually seamless. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Well, my next question was, do you have any special moments that you remember? Oh, sounds like might, that one's I think it. you might have yeah, nailed that but, one. But they, they were good times. <laughs> uh, I would say I was really proud of Yvonne as well. She um, she got to represent. She was one of the Queensland representatives for the um, 2000 dog trial at Camden um, for the Olympics. So, yeah, she had a crack there. So that was, yeah, that was more than more than over the moon with that it's one of her personal bests i think so yeah. Um, yeah yeah but she was always a very good trialer too so she's very competitive and um and she drank enough too so <laughs> that worked out <laughs> well. so we did really enjoy it. yeah we did enjoy it uh loved it actually loved their yard dog trialing and then came up to queensland when we started doing a lot more work up here and we, we did a couple of trials here and there and we just, yeah, I, I guess we probably didn't, yeah, didn't enjoy it as much. Um, look, I, I think everything, everything was fine. Like people are great, everything's good, but I just, yeah, I didn't find the level of intensity uh, as challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I, I couldn't get around the course myself. But if you only had a few dogs, you were always handicapped as cattle were getting redrafted and drafting off ones that were difficult. And that was the trouble I, I was always finding that the, the dog that still had a really good run, it might've only been in the eighties, but had a good run on the fresh cattle, wasn't rewarded as opposed to the person that, that had a, a run on some very recycled cattle towards the end of the day. Um, so I, I guess I did, I think perhaps maybe they need to sort of have a, have a rethink about that um, because it seems to be the most the people that seem to get into the finals and, and either get some of the money or, or all the money. So, 
and and that that was probably I didn't I didn't think that was as positive as what it was in the you know the the, the yard dog trials it was just whatever sheep you got you got and that was your day and they were very seldom they were redrafted but they weren't um they weren't no there was no troublemakers on so it was yeah. if you got it you got it and you had to wear it and I I think that was really fair and I think it was really I think it was really positive and I I think what we got to see was the best dogs could still make those difficult ones workable and I I think that's that's the stockmanship and that's that's what dogs are there for because we've all got difficult cattle on a day and 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 sitting there trying to reward yourself with something that a chihuahua could probably put around the course is you know almost a hollow victory compared to getting those really tricking sort of really you might run out of time but you still held them you know like and and you know then that that dog would be easily able to go and get that clean skin mickey or whatever it is out the back and um give it enough time and you'll still be able to bring that bring that booger all the way to the heart back to the yards on its own forefeet instead of having to throw it and then drive the tractor or whatever it is out there and go and get it yeah yeah no it's uh i i i think we need to yeah oh that's why i enjoy the sheep and not so much the cattle but anyway that's all we need to say if you're talking about that scenario there we often hear it hear the debates that trial dogs don't make real work dogs what what's your take on that <laughs> well I, I think in some cases that that's right and i think there's definitely some of those trial dogs that'll make really good working dogs and I'm sometimes wondering what trial dog, whether we buy our working dogs from the wrong people. Um, I think sometimes we need to be sourcing those contractor type people, the people that are doing it every day that are using, you know, for that job. Um, yeah, if they're doing it every day, well, I think that's kind of the person that we probably need to go to. So I'm a farmer now, like a grazier. I need to probably go to a grazier that's got some really good dogs, but they're a bit more steady. They haven't got as much going in them. They don't want to go all day, every day for seven days a week. Um, so I, I think that's possibly one of those things about the trial dogs. Um, but are they, I think some, some trial dogs are beautiful. I, the other thing was, is Jim O'Connell from up at Winton there, he, he used to always say he tried to get away with his three sheep dogs being his also his work dogs and he said at the end of the day you just you couldn't do it because with the work dogs the, a big mob of sheep is like kicking a half flat soccer ball across the flat and then with doing three sheep it's like getting a pin and trying to move a balloon across the paddock you know so and and I agree with him 100% on that. So that there is a difference in those three sheep trial dogs compared to the work dogs. Um, yeah, and I think all three sheepers possibly agree with that. <laughs> um, being that I don't do three sheep, I, I, I don't know how they feel about it, but that was from Jim and I, th I think he's a pretty good yardstick to go off. <laughs> so, but I dare say someone will come out and they'll give that point. <laughs> Uh, there's always there's always fours and against, right? And and there's always exce exceptions to exactly as well. So. Absolutely, there is, and there and there is, and I will say that there is always a, a, a yeah, a, 
a difference of I opinion in, in many cases there. So, yeah. Yep. And, and with the new um, association starting in Queensland, mate, any aspirations to get back into some um, yard dog or utility trialling? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I wouldn't put it past me probably in about five more years. Um, yeah, I've sort of got a bit of a goal here at the moment with the cattle, but um, yeah, probably in about five or so years, I think I'll start. I'll start feeling old enough that I go to a trial again. Um, so that I'll, that I'll, I'll be prepared enough. If, if I've got five years up my sleeve, I'm sure that I'll be prepared enough. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'd be really happy with it. I mean, I, I remember years back, Eddie Hackman tried to, he was about to start up a dog and it was a really practical one. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be really good actually, but um it went by the wayside so let's let's hope the new association gets something a bit more practical and a bit a bit more helpful yeah i'm looking forward to it that's good yeah that's good man they've got some good people behind it there so hopefully um a heap of people get behind them and uh really drive it and and make something of it no oh, yeah for sure i'd say it's just gotta yeah something's gotta move anyway so that'll be good that's it mate mate it's yeah. come to that time of the night mate was there a question that stood out for you when they'll win a bag of enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat well i was i was thinking at, uh tristan's um was that about the trainability was that correct like the no i know that tristan um asked about your um, yes, where you source your dogs from you still, and, and the lines that you like. Source, yeah, sorry, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That was the one, that was the one, right? Beautiful, right there. Well, I think Tristan well and truly <laughs> deserves a good bag of, of the good stuff, of the good stuff because <laughs> we, yeah, we definitely, you know, it's a winner for us. Yeah, oh, that that's. Good to hear. That's it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Tristan, uh, if you want to send us your details, mate, um, there's a bag of Enduro coming your way. And Sean, uh, thanks for being a guest tonight. There's also a bag of Enduro coming your way. So I'll grab your details a bit later as well. Oh, happy days. Thank you so much. Thanks very much for the um, yeah for the time. And, and I hope no, thank you, Chef, mate. We do that you off and easy. <laughs> One last question um, before oh, you that's go. Okay. <laughs> um would you rather fight 20 horses the size of ducks or one duck the size of a horse and why oh yeah look i, I did actually train ducks um for the melbourne show but they were north queensland ducks so uh, yeah the small ones are really dangerous um <laughs> yeah they they can Bring a crocodile to its knees. So I, I'm going to say I'm going to say one big duck. Yep. And and I'll probably be That's always right. known for that person as just that one duck. <laughs> just just <laughs> one duck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mate, thank thank you very much for your time tonight. Re really appreciate it. And to all of our viewers for um tuning in, oh, it's no. great to see people jumping on every week. So thank you to them as well. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, and I appreciate the 
yeah, with the ordinary work. <laughs> nah, thank you, mate. Um, and to everyone out there, please remember we learn every day. And the day we stop learning off each other will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Good night.